Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2017. This is Anne talking about Steps 6 and 7. Hi, my name's Anne. I'm an alcoholic. I'm thankfully sober today and I'm a member of the Albert Park Women's Meeting. Um, great to be here today. I haven't been to a Steps Weekend for um, far too long and um, I'm fairly newly moved back to Melbourne after about 10 years living away and um, it was just great to come out here and sit for the last hour and you know hear Step 4 and 5 again and just feel really settled. Um, it's, it was really good. Um, Sort of looking um, in in preparing to think what I might say about step six and seven, I, I looked, of course, up the big book, and you know these two steps are summarised in two paragraphs, which I think is wonderful, you know, because they're two steps that I've spent a lot of agonising over, and yet you know the big book makes it so simple, and that probably tells you more about me uh, than anything else. Um, but what I, uh, the thing that I, I took from um, the two paragraphs, you know, first of all, with step six, was about my willingness to let go. You know, having done the fourth and fifth steps, as um, Dave and Chris explained so beautifully in the last presentation, I was left with this list of my defects of character, the things that caused me pain, the things that I used alcohol to try and relieve. And without alcohol, I was stuck. You know, I didn't stop drinking and suddenly my life was wonderful. Um, In fact, you know, my my story was I took about 18 months around AA having what I hope was my last drink. And um, my my first 12 months of continuous sobriety were incredibly painful. And it was like I was faced with all those defects, all, all that stuff that had made me drink, you know. And made me drink, you know, but all the stuff I hadn't known what to do with. And suddenly it just hit me, you know. I I had serious crap at work. I had, you know, serious illness in my family. I had financial insecurity. And nothing had prepared me to deal with that deal with that sober you know and and then I did my fourth and fifth step and I did it with a great sponsor who was really helpful and and assisted me to identify those patterns that some that one of the other speakers talked about and in my case one of those patterns was fear you know and, and I'm I thought I was so unusual you know I actually thought that you guys couldn't possibly understand the level of fear that I had you know I was quite special and, and, you know, when I read that bit about the evil and corroding thread, it says, that shot through our lives, that just resonated so strongly with me. It was like it had do- fear had dominated my life. And I, and I had all, you know, I'd been seeing a psychiatrist for about a couple of years by the time I, I got in here, and so I kind of knew where some of that fear had come from. And, and it seemed to me it was terribly complex, and, and I was going to need to do a lot of work in order to get rid of that fear. And then I read Step 6 and 7 in the big book and it said, you know, ask my high power to relieve my shortcomings, you know, pray um, for my de- that, that to my defects to be relieved. And I thought, you know, it can't possibly be that simple. You know, it has to be more, more complex than that. Because I'm such a complex person, you know, and, and I spend a lot of time asking people about, about stuff that they've done. But I guess more about that in a minute. Um, one of my biggest problems... when I got to step six really was the willingness actually because although I was in pain um, my defects hadn't it was a question of how much pain you know I I got beaten to the wall with alcohol you know and and that was the point at which I became willing to let go 
what step six, it seemed to me, was requiring me to do was to let go of the way that I had dealt with things since for as long as I could remember. You know, I had been brought up in an environment where I was really taught to be fearful um, and I had these entrenched patterns of behaviour that, you know, were very not only very difficult to get go of, but I didn't really want to let go of them because I didn't know what I was going to put in their place, you know, if that makes sense. And so a lot of my early stuff around this step was just going, it's too hard. You know, I really don't know what I'm going to do with this. You know, if I if I can't use my fear, you know, if I can't if I can't rely on my fear as this kind of excuse, what am I going to do? And um, Thank God for my um, second sponsor who was just... She had this sign on her cupboard that I grew to hate and it was something along the lines of showing up is 96% of life. And that was the thing she used to used to kind of always answer me back. You know, you just do it. It's, n- it's not that you're not going to feel afraid, but you're going to be able to do it. You know, you just take your higher power in one hand and you'll be okay. And that was really how she stepped me through some of those really scary stuff that happened in my first 12 months of recovery. And it wasn't about pretending that, you know, my fears would be magically removed, but it was assuring me that if I had the right motivation, if I took my faith, my developing and very embryonic faith in the other hand, I would be okay. And that was what I needed, you know. I needed kind of that simultaneously kick up the backside, but also that assurance that this was a spiritual journey, this was a spiritual step, and I wasn't going to be abandoned to try and work this out all by myself, you know, that I was doing this in company with a higher power. Um, and and it would be nice to say that that was sort of an easy thing and, and it happened kind of magically, um, but it, it happened slowly. You know, my experience with the program and the, the spiritual pathway has been of that experiential kind, you know. And, and gradually what I found was I was able to do things that sober that I didn't think that I could do sober, you know. I went on an aeroplane when I was six months sober. I hadn't flown without whiskey, I've got to tell you, I, my, my standard technique, and I flew a lot for work when I was drinking, but there was always alcohol involved, usually before I got to the airport on the plane and afterwards. I had stuff like getting on a plane sober, you know, was huge for me, you know. Going to um, first wedding when I was, um, somebody's wedding when I was about... Oh, three months sober, my cousin's wedding, and I remember sitting there, you know, and this, they came round to put the champagne in those weird little glasses, you know, in front to do the toast. I had my hand clamped over the top of that glass so tight. <laughs> big, big, and I was ready with this excuse for the guy, you know, and my sister leaned across the table to me and said, you know, all you have to do is say no. <laughs> Magic. But I had that, you know, that level of fear that, you know, it was kind of like he was going to pull that in my in my glass and I was going to have to drink it, you know, is that kind of irrational fear. Um, and I and I had that, you know, I'd been diagnosed with panic attacks at 19, I'd been in a psych hospital for my anxiety, I knew what that level of non-functioning anxiety was like and I had, I was at a, I was terrified of, I was frightened of the anxiety and anyone who's had panic attacks and that anxiety will know. So I needed to step through that stuff sober. I needed to actually have panic attacks sober and discover that I, I could actually live through them um, to know that, you know, there, there, was a, there was a path here, there was a faith here, there was, a, there was something working in my life that would, would help me um, to get through that stuff. Um, I, as part of my step seven, and I believe my higher power 
put other sources of support and, um, and assistance in my life in relation to some of these defects. So um, I actually did a program in uh, fairly early sobriety about dealing with anxiety. I've sought out help from other qualified professionals in the course of my recovery um, because you know, I believe as part of my program that's what I'm meant to do. My higher power wants me to be relieved of those defects of character that, that mitigate against my usefulness to myself, to my higher power and to other people. I'm put here to be useful. And and that for me this involved taking some steps out of my comfort zone sometimes to, to get that advice and support. You know, I, I don't want to do some of this stuff because it's uncomfortable and difficult. There have also been times when I've stayed stuck because that's been more comfortable too. Um, you know, and I've kind of got into ruts in recovery without realising that I was in those ruts, you know. And I was thinking um, during the last presentation, um, you know, I left Melbourne in 2006 as a result of a, a job situation, really, that had gone very wrong from my point of view. And I left with a burning resentment against my ex-boss. Um, but what the program gave me at that point in time was another opportunity. So I got to move into state, I got to do some other stuff and I got exposed to a whole range of other opportunities which not only helped me get over that resentment, it helped me you know, develop other things in my life but it, it brought me face to face with some of those defects, some of those things that had got me into that situation in the first place, you know, that I had got stuck in a situation because... I'd spend a lot of time praying, you know, for the serenity to accept things. I hadn't spent much time looking for the courage to change things, you know. I was kind of in a very complacent situation where if only those people would stop behaving that way, everything would be all right. And sometimes what's happened with my defects of character is that my high powers put me in situations where I'm confronted with the fact that, you know, um, I'm still grappling with something, you know. I may be actually sober, but I haven't got it right, you know. I haven't, I haven't got rid of it. It's still niggling away there. Or there's another lesson for me to learn. There's someone else I need to meet to come to grips with, you know, to, to come to grips with, or someone I need to work with, or someone I, I need to experience who's going to teach me something else about what I, you know, what I, teach me something else I need to learn about my character, about the things that are holding me back. Um, one of the things that's happened to me in the last 10 years is I've become a manager and so, you know, sometimes I'm responsible for other people's behaviour and I have to go and do performance reviews and stuff like that. And I found it's very hard to do one of those without actually kind of doing a bit of an inventory of myself at the same time and it's one of those things the program kind of sneaks up on you in that regard. I can't, you know, I can't very well be trying to you know, tell someone else what they should be doing in the workplace if I'm not actually <laughs> practising those values myself. Well, I can, but you know, I'd feel pretty hypocritical about it and, and that's one of those uncomfortable feelings that you know, could lead me back to drinking. Um, and I realise all the time you know, that those sort of... You know, the person that I might be criticising for the fact that they don't like confrontation or they don't really want to pull their weight, all, I can only recognise those things because you know, I have those defects. You know, I know what those things feel like. I was certainly not your model employee in my drinking days. And when I got sober, you know, I found myself... You know, I was heading a section of like 10 people and all I wanted to do was sit in my office all day and shut the door because I had no idea how to talk to people. You know, I was... 
pathetic. <laughs> so, you know, I find myself, I've been given those situations. I've got married in the last 10 years and there's nothing like living with another human being to, to you know, bring me face to face with some of those things that uh, when I'm living by myself, I don't have to face, you know. I don't, I don't have to try and make compromises. I don't have to negotiate around other people. Very easy when I'm living in my own little bubble. For the last uh, six months, I've been living out of a suitcase um, because, you know, we moved back to Melbourne and other things with houses and finance and jobs and things took a while to follow and um, totally out of my comfort zone and nothing like that to bring me face-to-face, you know, with my defects of character. People don't do things the way I would do them, you know. Organisations and things don't, uh, you know, they don't sell my house as fast as I'd like and, you know, I try and buy that one and someone outbids me at an auction, you know. Um, All that stuff um, can bring me face-to-face with the defects, you know, and, and what am I doing about them today? It's not that I don't have, you know, potential financial insecurity. It's not that I don't get fear around that sometimes. For me, it's about the level of fear and it's what my response is to that fear. You know, what am I doing? What am, where's my focus, you know? Is my focus on the fact that, yeah, you know, maybe I'm not going to be able to afford to live where I want to live or is it that I'm going to be grateful for the fact that I'm going to have a roof over my head, that I'm sober, you know, that I've got a job, um, you know, and I, I'm brought face to face with you know reminders of where I could be you know if I had if I had continued to drink I and how fortunate I actually am um, one of the things I found very very useful for me um, in step six and seven um, as I said it it's about praying for that that willingness to let go of my defects and about praying to my higher power to relieve me of those that that stand in the way of my usefulness. The focus on usefulness. I was very lucky to have a sponsor that instilled in me from a very early um, period in AA my responsibility to try and give back and to be involved in service. And, and, you know, to those of you who've been involved in putting together this weekend, my congratulations. But, you know, I know that you will all have that tremendous benefit that you get from doing service for for whatever you do in AA, whether it's, you know, opening the doors, washing the dishes, you know, from whatever to to being on the general service office. I've had a crack at doing a lot of those jobs and I still try and stay involved and active in AA. And it's, you know... The reason at its very basis for me is that um, the time that I spend thinking about that stuff and doing it is time that I don't spend focusing on myself. You know, I don't have to be obsessing about my little dramas and my worries and my fears. Um, it's about being there to be useful. You know? and, and when I get that bit right, you know, when that's my focus, it's much easier um, for me not to to have my actions and, and my thoughts dominated by, you know, whatever uh, particular defective character is running riot in my life today. Um, I have had to deal in the last um, couple of years too with a family member who is ill from another illness that, and, um, and I found it very easy sometimes to take that person's inventory you know, because I can see that they would really benefit and it's just a pity there isn't a 12-step program for them. And, um, you know, what's what I've been able to realise as a part of, of trying to uh, let go of my judgement in that situation is that all I'm asked to do really is to try and be free to love other human beings. I don't, I don't necessarily have to forgive behaviour um, that is 
you know, um, not acceptable behaviour. But to be able to draw that distinction between the behaviour and the person has been a real gift in recovery for me. Um, I haven't, you know, forgiven the ex-boss who treated me so badly, but I can walk into a room with him now and I don't actually want to stick pins in him. Uh, you know, and, and I don't pray for him to be humiliated. Most of the time he is irrelevant to my life. Um, and, I, and that's the way I like it to be. I, I have learned that I am able to make good decisions about not putting myself into um, dysfunctional situations or situations where I'm going to be hurt. And that's part of my recovery as well, you know, that I have a right to make those decisions. That doesn't mean that I, I need to seek revenge, you know. I, I can leave that where it lies. And I'm very grateful for that because, you know, once I don't have those thoughts dominating <laughs> my life, I... I'm free to think all sorts of other things, to experience the day, to experience the people in my life that I love, uh, to enjoy being back in Melbourne for autumn and seeing all, all the beautiful colours and the foliage this time of year, to be here today and just to be present. And that's my gift. So I thank you all very much. And I'll Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.com aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.